With an accelerated nod for Aduhelm and now full approval for Lakembi in the USA, Biogen and ASI have overturned decades of failure in Alzheimer's. But at the annual meeting of the Alzheimer's Association, it's another neurology heavyweight taking centre stage, as Eli Lilly makes clear its intention to remain a leader in the treatment of this challenging disease. At the conference in Amsterdam, we're speaking with two key figures from the development programme for Donanumab, a candidate which could slow cognitive decline for millions of people with early Alzheimer's while generating billions in annual revenues. Lilly is presenting full results from a key phase 3 trial of its antibody, which, like Lakembi, clears aberrant proteins from the brain with the goal of combating neurodegeneration. There are important differences between the way the two molecules work, however, and Lilly is confident its approach, which includes limited duration dosing, offers the best chance of success. The new data, which form part of a regulatory submission for approval in the USA, seem to bear this out. As with other therapies in this class, all eyes will be on safety, and Lily hopes that treating to clear and then holding off on dosing could help avoid side effects. Like ASI, Lily is also interested in developing a subcutaneous treatment in future, with early data for another molecule, Remturnatug, showing strong potential in this regard. We discuss all of this and more in episode 24 of the Pharma Letter podcast. I'd like to welcome Dr. John Sims, head of medical for Donanamab, who oversees clinical trials for the candidate, and Dawn Brooks, global development leader for both Donanamab and Remturnatug. Welcome to you both. John, could you start by telling us a bit about the new data from Trailblazer Owls 2 Lilius presented today? How happy are you with the findings? Were there any surprises in there? And which results would you highlight as being of particular significance? First, let me uh, thank you for having us on. Um, and yes, we are we are quite excited. I think for those of you who are not familiar with the Alzheimer's field, uh, it has struggled for a very long time to, to get reproducible uh, results and have positive results. And so we were quite pleased today to show uh, for the first time uh, the ability to replicate uh, data. So we had a positive phase two study and then uh, executed a uh, phase three study. And this is the first time that we've seen the field reproduce a primary outcome. So I think that's particularly exciting in the field. And and we've now seen some other molecules in the space also start to have positive data. So that's the exciting part of this uh, field. The other aspect of our data in particular is that um, from our from our phase two data, we had a narrower population, and we were able to extend that population. And so, not only were we able to replicate the initial population, which was an which was an earlier pathology population, but we extended that finding into people who had more pathology. So later in the disease stage. So that's, I think, important because we don't want to leave patients behind with the opportunity to perhaps get a treatment that might slow the disease down for them. And so um, th- we were able to show also that across um, all the clinical scales that we measured in the study, that we had significant results. Not only were these results significant, but uh, many of these were pre-planned and controlled for multiplicity. So what does that mean? That means we, we stated ahead of time that they should be positive and tested them appropriately uh, with statistical tests. And so some of those um, are really big changes that, that p- patients go uh, 
go through on the course of Alzheimer's disease, going from a mild cognitive impairment stage to a mild stage to moderate and uh, dementias. And we were able to show that we were able to pre um, prevent um, about 39% risk reduction of participants in our study from progressing to that later stage of the disease, which I think is, will be impactful for, for, um, for patients if we are able to get a drug um, approved for treatment. And what does that mean? It means that uh, patients with Alzheimer's disease, they, they really just want to be able to keep what they have, not lose more. Obviously, we'd love to uh, put back what they've lost. That's, uh, that we can't do yet, but we are able to slow this disease now for, for the first time in, in decades. Um, not only do we show clinical meaningfulness um, and, and uh, consistency across trials and across scales and across statistical analyses, but we're also now developing and, and um, a hypothesis that the field has had for a long time, and that is that it's important to treat earlier in the disease course for obvious reasons, because uh, earlier means you haven't lost as much uh, ability to think and function. But also our data is now starting to point to the fact that, that starting earlier means that uh, uh, a, at least the participants in our study were able to keep more and had a larger effect. And so we're starting to, to show and develop that, that data and that hypothesis seems to be uh, manifesting itself. And then lastly, um, you know, the, the, the data that we showed today, um, one of the key outcome measures in, in that, which is, a, which is that progression to the later stage, that is also um, the primary analysis that we have for our ongoing preclinical study. And so I think that bodes well for um, the studies that are now looking at ways to prevent the onset of this disease. And so I, I think that gives me optimism for the future as well. Thanks for that answer. Um, a question for Dawn. Looking at all of the data you have so far, how is this candidate differentiated from other anti-amyloid antibodies and what advantages might it have in the treatment of early Alzheimer's disease? Great, thanks. Well, first, for listeners um, to know that the estimated uh, U.S. prevalence of, of people with the clinical symptoms consistent with early Alzheimer's disease and the presence of amyloid plaque is approximately six to seven and a half million. So I, I kind of get that at the outset so we have a sense here of, of the magnitude of the of the challenge, um, Lilly estimates that only about 20 to 30% of that prevalent population is diagnosed today. So, so really we have, uh, you know, a challenge here for diagnosis and then also such a, such a large potential uh, to help many here, uh, Americans and, and worldwide, you know, as we extend uh, that into, you know, the many millions more, right? So, so I want to start there with kind of the, the magnitude of the challenge. Um, as John provided some highlights there, we, we're very excited about these phase three results for denanumab. We, we do believe they've demonstrated a clinically meaningful benefit across patients with early symptomatic Alzheimer's disease. You know, he highlighted that there's a potential here of even even stronger results when you're earlier in your disease progression. And so that we, we believe may offer hope uh, for patients at that stage. Um, and so what I would say is in addition to having the largest treatment effect seen in the field, denanumab, I want to also remind listeners, was studied with a limited duration dosing, meaning that the active treatment could end once the plaque was cleared. So when you think about limited duration dosing, along with the convenience of a once monthly infusion and the results we've just highlighted, it, it represents, we think, a lower burden of treatment 
uh, for patients and, and they could bring significant value to the healthcare system. John, as Dawn mentioned there, the design of the trial took this treat-to-clear approach. Why design the trial that way and what's the benefit of that treatment strategy? Yeah, it is indeed unique in this space. Uh, and the, it goes all the way back to the original design of this, of this um, antibody. Um, back in, when we were developing this antibody, we wanted to find a molecule that, that did not um, engage any of the other um, protein species that are in the blood or the cerebral spinal fluid. We wanted to target just the amyloid plaque that was in the brain so that every molecule we delivered in the blood um, had an opportunity to engage its target. And um, we think because of that ability to engage this target and to reduce it um, quite robustly, uh, the idea was is that it builds up slowly over time, you know, a bit like you can think of cancer, right? A, a tumor that grows slowly. And then once you are able to remove it, it then calls into question, what, you know, why continue treatment? Why not do observations and see how the patient is doing? And so it was really kind of that paradigm um, idea that once we've removed that 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 target, that pathology. And what's unique is that we can measure that with, with what we call a PET scan, right? This is a, a brain scan and we can see that protein that is built up in the brain. And then we can also measure that removal aspect. And so once we kind of measured the removal of that, then we said, it makes sense to give the patient a break or the participants in our studies in this case, uh, and then observe over time. That reduces the burden um, because, uh, you know, Alzheimer's disease is, is, creates quite a burden, not just for the patient, but for the caregiver or partner of these. And that burden uh, is, is manifested even on the partner so that they experience um, greater illnesses, sickness, depression, anxiety, hospitalizations themselves. So anything that we can do to reduce that burden, we, we view it as a positive in the field. Looking at how the molecule works, um, other candidates target amyloid as it begins to form fibers, whereas denanumab binds to amyloid once the plaques are formed. Why is that a more advantageous approach? So the idea is, is that antibodies are hard to get across the blood-brain barrier uh, since they're large proteins. And so if, if the antibody that you give, and we're usually giving these in blood, although we're certainly testing other delivery mechanisms like uh, injections into the skin or subcutaneous delivery, but for every antibody that you give, if it engages a target that's floating around in the bloodstream, that means it's not available to engage where the pathology has really been manifesting, which is in the brain. So the idea was everyone you deliver then gets an opportunity to go to its target. How important is avoiding amyloid-related imaging abnormalities, so-called ARIA? Does denanumab have any advantage in this regard? And in terms of dosing, shorter dosing, could that also affect the cost of treatment? Yeah, so um, you know the this class of molecules that targets amyloid does have this effect of aria, and we we believe that it is because that the same protein that's in the brain is also it has built up in the blood vessels. So at this stage, it is a it is a fairly common uh, side effect of this therapy. Uh, avoiding it altogether would be great. It, it is not currently possible with our our current understanding. But more importantly, not the aria, which is most most people have it, and it's asymptomatic. It's just a finding on the on the scans as we monitor. The real important aspect of aria to avoid is those who end up having symptoms from it, 
the symptoms, uh, those who have symptoms with treatment, it's for our molecules, about 6% of people who have that, treat, that symptom. Uh, and then, of course, you don't want those symptoms to become more serious. So the idea is really how can we monitor best for those people who have uh, ARIA and how can we avoid that symptomatic stage? We know a couple of things about ARIA. There's a, there's a gene that puts people at risk for Alzheimer's disease. That same gene that causes the buildup of, of protein in the brain is also involved in, in the protein buildup of the blood vessels. So we know that that gene also increases the, the chance that, that, that someone might have ARIA and that, that side effect of treatment. We've seen that ASI has presented data suggesting a subcutaneous version of its candidate could be safer and just as effective as its uh, intravenous version of Lucanumab. How important, in your view, will subcutaneous dosing be for the future of this field? Yeah, we, we do recognize that subcutaneous dosing may meet uh, different needs um, for Alzheimer's patients and their families. I think particularly um, if the Alzheimer's treatment could be administered at home. So I think that's the best way to kind of think about it is it, it you know, definitely may meet different needs for different uh, patients and their caregivers. Looking at another of your upcoming um, candidates, how do you expect remturnatug to offer improvements over other candidates in this class? Yeah, so remturnatug is a, a follow-on uh, amyloid-targeting antibody that's demonstrated amyloid plaque clearance in a, in a phase 1b study that we reported in early symptomatic Alzheimer's disease patients. Um, based on what we've observed so far uh, with this next generation molecule, it may have properties uh, without generating anti-drug antibodies and may offer the opportunity to pursue subcutaneous administration um, or alternate dose regimen options compared to other IV agents as well in the, in the same class. Perhaps you could say a bit about the trial program um, for that candidate. I noticed that you've got trail runner ALS1, which is due to read out, I think, in late 2025. Um, do you have other late-stage trials planned? And also, why was the integrated Alzheimer's disease rating scale not used for that trial? Right. So you are correct. We have initiated uh, the Phase three program, uh, which includes the trial we call Trail Runner uh, ALLS. Um, it's a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study to evaluate safety and amyloid plaque lowering in various dosing regimens um, with remturnatug in participants with early symptomatic Alzheimer's disease. So as part of an overall phase three program, there will be an efficacy-driven uh, phase three study with clinical outcome endpoints that are similar to denanumab, um, but that would come at a point in the future. Looking to the future, you're pursuing this treat-to-clear approach. I'm just wondering, can you imagine a situation where you perhaps have a combination of different therapies being used, something to clear the plaques and then something else in the interim? And if so, are you working on any such other candidate that could be used in, in the interim? Sure, I can start. And John, maybe if you'd like to add to that, um, you know, as you know, uh, Lily does have both a rich history and a currently rich portfolio uh, in the neurodegen space. And uh, we, we do want to continue to innovate and, and think about where complementary mechanisms may take the efficacy uh, here even further. Um, so, so absolutely, uh, you know, looking to, uh, to, you know, think carefully, uh, you know, and, and where we can, uh, you know, you know, take our innovations right and, and bring that forward for stronger results for patients. Yeah. And, you know, for listeners less familiar with this disease uh, space, uh, we've been talking a lot about amyloid, which is one of the key leading proteins that builds up in the brain. But but we've also appreciate that there's another important protein that builds up in the brain, and that's tau. 
So it, it's not it's not it doesn't take a lot of creativity to think that uh, you know some kind of tau targeting agent would be a, a promising uh, combination in the future. So certainly, I, I would not be surprised if we see in the future some kind of amyloid therapy and some kind of amyloid and tau therapy, uh, you know, combined. Uh, you know, Alzheimer's is a chronic disease, and like most chronic diseases, they re- really require require some, some kind of orthogonal targeting, right, for different parts of the disease stages. And when we find when you uh, have a kind of orthogonal targeting of the disease, that you get greater efficacy. And so I think that's the future, probably. Well, the US regulator is expected to make a decision on approval for denalumab by the end of the year, and we'll keep a close eye on what happens next. Thank you both for speaking with us today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you, Simon. Thank you very much.